fools who need reminding that God is a God of miracles. Teachers who teach day in, day out, needing guidance how to teach their students. Parents being a parent day in, day out, still needing wisdom in how to parent. Students hopefully studying day in, day out, still needing motivation and perseverance. Carers, people, any job that we do, day in, day out, we still need Jesus to be providing for us. And especially Christians. Christians who have been Christians for a very long time, we still need Jesus. We haven't arrived at some place where we've crossed the line and ticked all the boxes. We still need him. And I think it's so important. Um, I don't know if this is going to work, actually. That's okay. I'm just on the next screen. I just think it's so important that we remember um, that we never get to a place where we think we don't need Jesus. If we've come to that place, that is a very big red flag. That could be in ministry. That could be in our family life. That could be in our workplace. It doesn't matter what it is. There is a big red flag if we think that we no longer need Jesus. And even if we feel like we're an expert in our field... Even if we've been doing it for a very long time, we still need Jesus to step in and provide. Provision could look like opportunities. It could look like creative ideas in the things that you do. It could look like finance. It could look like visas. It could look like boldness to speak out what you know needs to be spoken. Whatever it is, we must never get to the point where we think we don't need Jesus. In this story, the provision is fish. Not just a few fish, not just a couple of fish, 153 fish. I don't know if you care about that. I'm not a details person, but I care about that detail. They bothered to write the amount of fish that they caught. As a kid, I've caught one flathead and I was stoked. I was like, check out my fish, you know, my cute little hat on, grinning. One fish, that's not like that is exciting as a kid. But imagine pulling up after fishing all night and 153 fish are in your net. Ephesians 3.20 reminds us that he is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This verse is also the reminder that he is the one who receives the glory. He is the one that we thank for the provisions we receive. The disciples saw that Jesus had prepared a fire with bread and fish ready to go. Who knows where Jesus got that from? Do you think Jesus was there kneading the bread in the morning? And was he like, all right, I'll put my line out and catch your fish? Does it matter? Not really. But I just think it's interesting. How did Jesus get that bread and fish? He already had some. But he says to them, can you come and bring some of your fish? The stuff that you've just caught. Jesus is inviting them into the process as well. He's doing it with them. He didn't need their fish. He was the one that provided the fish anyway. But he wanted them to be part of the process. So my little diagram I've got for that, a little flow chart. We are in need of Jesus. Jesus provides. And then he partners with us in that provision. And, you know, there are times when that provision seems to be instant. Like the fish, they're like... Fishing all night, get nothing, and bam, 153 fish. Um, Several years ago, um, when Angus and I were still dating, we'd gone away on a camp, and the guy leading devotions was speaking about the Father Heart of God. Now, that concept was fairly new to me. I hadn't really grown up learning about that side of things, and I was really keen and really eager to know more. 
So I was like, oh, I'll text Angus. I'm just like, Angus, you know, I'm just really feeling like it'd be awesome to learn more about the Father Heart of God. And he replies and says, guess what? Stephen Packer's just messaged. They're about to start this video series on the Father Heart of God and would we like to join? So many hours later in that series and learning lots and lots, probably falling asleep a few times too because they were about three hours long, I think, each video. We learned more about the Father Heart of God. And it was just so awesome to see, like, literally that text all in one night happened. And it was arranged that we were able to be provided with this teaching on the Father Heart of God. Other times it's not so instant. Um, Just a little bit about us. We've been doing some property development over the last few years. And I felt at times that it's really selfish to ask God about some of these details. I kind of would always put it in a separate box. Like, how could I ask God about money stuff? Like, we put ourselves in situations um, in terms of finance where at times it's been really tight. And I would just, I just feel like it's really selfish to ask um, God of that. But I realise that's pretty offensive. God, as if I could think God isn't interested in the details, as if money is some topic that anything else could come before God, but no, not money, I couldn't ask him about that. Last week at Tehila, Angus and I signed up to receive prophecy together and the, one of the ladies um, was sharing and she just instantly said, I feel like I'm um, speaking that there's going to be provision in finance. And I both laughed and cried at the same time because um, she also spoke the words like, God is your provider, Jehovah Jireh. And in that moment, I was like, you know what? He is. Finance isn't our provider. Like the subdivision we're doing isn't our provider. Jesus is actually our provider. And she wasn't saying this, and I know I didn't take it either. She wasn't saying it's all going to work out and like, you know, it's just going to be stepping stone after stepping stone. Don't worry about the money. She was saying God is provider and we don't have to be worried about that. And that was amazing because we've been waiting months and months and months just to find out and get some clarity on some things. And we're hoping this week, on Tuesday, we will find out, but we may not. And I realise it doesn't really matter if we don't find out because the finance isn't our provision. God is our provision. And being reminded of that word was enough in and of itself that if none of it goes through, God is our provider. And I've learned that the beauty over the years of journaling, it's really hard sometimes for me to, if I'm on my own, speak to God aloud. Um, I've had to almost like learn that skill. It, it does feel weird at times. Um, but journaling, that's easy. I'm like, yeah, but I can write this down. Probably because when I was like 10, I'd keep a little diary about what happened in my day. So journaling and physically writing down just flowed for me. But the thing about journaling is you probably just blab a whole bunch of thoughts on your paper. You're not, you know, no one else is reading it. It's not like an assignment or anything. You're just putting words on a page. And sometimes those words are really raw and they're like, God, I don't see how you're providing or I've I've got a lot of questions right now. And I think I've found that the journaling in and of itself in that moment probably isn't as significant as when you open up those journals years later or months later or however much longer and you see, oh yes, God did provide in this situation. Oh, I've forgotten about that. Oh my goodness, like he did come in and step in this situation. Or maybe you are just reminded of things that he's done that you had just totally forgotten as well. And I think with that, it's so quick. we're so quick to forget what God has done. It's so easy to remember all the things that aren't working, aren't happening, he's not doing. 
The Bible is full of those stories that people forget again and again and again of the provision God was able to give. And we're just the same. We forget. But things like journaling, speaking out those thoughts are an amazing reminder. So our first point is just a reminder, God is provider. We can come to him with anything. Nothing is off limits. The provision may be instant. It may take time. It may be what we expect, or it might be totally different. And often in providing, God chooses to partner with us, with the talents he's given us. And God not only desires to provide for us, he desires to be present with us. We see this when Jesus says, come and have, come and have breakfast. Jesus says to his friends, come and have breakfast. I think that is so powerful. This is like I picture the scene of a little kid walking downstairs and he sees his parents in the kitchen. The music is cranking. They're cooking up a storm. The coffee machine's not even on yet, but for some reason they've got a big smile on their face. And as the kid looks at the table, maybe there's a stack of pancakes with berries and ice cream. Or maybe there's like a bacon and egg McMuffin with melted cheese on it. Or maybe there's smashed avo with hash brown for our vegan friends. It doesn't matter what the food is, just that picture of your parents having a great time and inviting you into breakfast. They may have had a really busy week. There may have been lots going on, but for some reason they've chosen that morning to just be present with their kids and enjoy something like a, like a meal, like a breakfast. And that's the same with Jesus. He had no other plans in that moment but to be sitting and having breakfast with his friends. In reality, it wasn't pancakes on the beach they were having that day. It was fish and bread. I personally don't often eat fish for breakfast unless maybe it's salmon or something, but I would take the bread if Jesus was offering it. Um, but what does that represent? Why is it so great that they had breakfast? Maybe you don't have that same feeling about it. I was talking to Andy before and she was just saying, I love that verse too. And she went to the place where, you know, they would have sat on the beach and had Jesus and it, ev it evoked a response because it signifies that our God, not other gods, our God sat humbly and had breakfast. How simple is that? It's not a big deal. And I'm making it a big deal because it's so simple. I just, oh, to be there in that moment. Jesus could have crammed in ministry. He could have crammed in more miracles. He could have crammed in seeing the crowds, doing this, doing that and the other thing. But he didn't. He sat on the beach with his friends. He prioritised the connection with them, talking with them, eating with them, seeing how they're going. Yes, the fish was a miracle, 153 fish after, after fishing all night, but that, that pales in comparison for me. Jesus, God of the universe, decided to sit down and have a meal. Today we went down to Redcliffe, um, it's beautiful at the waterfront today. And Angus went to go get something and I was sitting with little Affie and I got out my laptop to go over for the notes tonight. I was like, I need, you know, I just want to go over it one more time. So I'm sitting there in this beautiful view with my daughter and then this dad walks over with his little girl and they wanted to engage. They were, you know, seeing other little kids. So they walked on over and in that moment I did have to decide, like, do I keep just tapping away on my laptop or do I engage? So I put my laptop away and... 
we were kind of chatting a bit and then Afi, because she loves food, we got out a cracker for her and we gave a cracker to the little girl and I was like, do you want to come and sit on the mat? Um, and she was like a little bit shy, but they hung around for a few minutes. And then as they left, it was like, I've got to practice what I preach. Jesus, in that moment, even though I'm preparing a message on being present, being available, had an opportunity to be present with this random family. I may never see them again, but I knew it was the right thing to do in that moment. And the other aspect is that it's just really mundane. (laughs) Eating breakfast is just one of those things that you do. Being a stay-at-home mum, life is pretty mundane. It's pretty repetitive. You do the dishes, you make a meal, you clean up the toys, and five seconds later, you're doing it all over again. As I was writing that, Afi picked up all the Duplo and dumped it on the ground and was like, yay! I'm like, oh, I just cleaned that up. But that's, that's it. It's just something you do every day. Same with meals. You cook a meal, you do the dishes, you do it all over again. But again, Jesus decided to do that. He decided to have a meal. And if you were to write a book on how to do ministry, like Jesus did, would you include spending time having breakfast at the beach? Because that's what he did. Of all the things to record in the Bible, for us to read all these years later, we read about this. But maybe when you hear something like this, you think, all right, well, if Jesus spent time with people, well, I better spend time with people. So let's quickly cram in 50 cup jobs that we can have, and maybe it's better be breakfast on the beach. And before you know it, you've got a million things on, and you're probably not very present in any of those times. The focus isn't that Jesus did that, so we have to copy that exact thing. Jesus was doing the will of his father. And the father said, go and have breakfast. You don't need to be doing anything else right now. Go and be present with your friends. And maybe we just need to do the same. All right, God, who is it that you want us to be present with? And when we're so busy doing all the things we think we should be doing, maybe we're missing out on just being with Jesus or missing out being with family and close friends. And Rivers, for you specifically, thank you. You guys have prioritised having a meal after the service. You've gone to the effort of setting up, of using real plates and real cutlery instead of disposables, which is so much easier, so much more convenient. But you know the value of having a meal, of taking time, of being present with people. Thank you. Thank you for the people who cook. Thank you for the people who go to the shops and pick up stuff. Thank you for the people who are in the kitchen making sure things are working. It's something that stands out about this church. And when we tell people about it, we're like, you know, Rivers has a meal after church. You guys are prioritising that being present with people, especially around a meal, as I think H was saying before too, when food and fellowship combine, how good is that? Um, And hopefully we can stick around too, but having a little girl, like I said, obsessed with food, sometimes it can be tricky when there's a smorgasbord of food around. (laughs) So as a reminder, our point two, Jesus desires to be present with us. He prioritises that. And we too can prioritise being present with Jesus. That might look like reading the Bible, singing songs of thanks, speaking out what he has done, spending time with your family, acknowledging him, journaling your thoughts. In that time, you can ask him who he wants you to prioritise being present with. You can note down those people and arrange times and a space that you can be present with them. So Jesus had provided the fish. He spent time eating breakfast and being present. 
And then he speaks to Peter about his purpose. Now, this story was not the first failed fishing attempt. Um, I mean, before I noted the fact that every time it's in reference to Jesus providing, but in Luke 5, there's a very similar occasion. Let's have a quick look at that. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon or Peter, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Sounding familiar? Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we've caught nothing, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat, come and help. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. And in that story, Peter had said yes to Jesus before even knowing too much about him. Since that story, he had lived life alongside Jesus where he'd seen the miracles, he'd seen lives transformed, he'd seen him die and rise again, saw him provide fish once again, but he said yes in that instant. Now back to in John 21, people have different reasons why they might have been fishing. Maybe they were fishing, fishing because they were waiting further instructions, what they needed to do next. Others say they were fishing because they were just reverting to the life they once knew before Jesus. And others say, well, maybe they were just hungry. It's not like you go down to Macca's and get a burger. You've got to fish. You've got to get some food. But regardless of why they were doing it, Peter was a fisherman, but his purpose and his calling was to follow Jesus and be a fisher of men. It can be hard to live out our purpose when things change, when things are hard, when we can't see his provision, when we don't feel like he is present. We can experience the highs of life in one moment, plan exactly how our year or our week or our day is going to be. Everything is looking good. And then you wake up and get out of bed. You don't feel like it. Maybe it doesn't go to plan. Maybe it's just not working out. But the thing is, oh, apart from that, sorry, that could be one reason. Maybe it just isn't working out. But the second thing could be comparison. Maybe comparison is getting in the way of you living out your purpose. After they had breakfast, Jesus speaks with Peter specifically. I'm not going to go into the details of that. Um, you can read that later in John 21. But it's really interesting to note that even in this sacred moment where Peter and Jesus are speaking, you know what Peter says? Lord, what about him? What about him? In reference to the other disciple, John, potentially this is a struggle for you. Maybe you think, what about him? What about her? What about them? What about that family? What are they doing or what are they not doing? And then you lose sight of your purpose because you're too busy comparing and looking at what everyone is and isn't doing. But the thing is, Peter didn't stay in that place. We read in Acts the boldness Peter has in expressing um, the importance of repenting and being baptised. Did he stay fishing on the beach, wondering how everyone else would serve Jesus? No, he was obedient to what God had called him, to be a fisher of men. And he knew that was worth sharing with the world. So what is your purpose as you live out your life? Maybe your purpose is within being a teacher, a student, a mum, an accountant, a cleaner, a carer. 
in those everyday things that you are doing? What is the purpose Jesus has called you to do? And how is the time that you are spent being present with Jesus going to dictate your day, your actions, your words, and your purpose? So in John 21, we have looked at the fact that God is a provider. He is our provision. And we can come to him with all things, big and small. The second is being present. Jesus prioritised that. He prioritised being with his Father. He knew what the Father wanted him to do. And then he was obedient and then spending time with others in whatever way that looked like. And thirdly, Jesus gives us our purpose. Even when things change, even when other people are doing it very differently or we're looking to the left and the right, he is the only one that we can look to for our purpose. And in light of him and his great love, that's how we live out our lives of purpose. We're about to come into a time of communion. And this is an opportunity to even do that now to be thankful of his provision. Easter was only a week ago that we remembered, but we remember this every time we come around communion. We thank him for his provision. You get to spend a few minutes just being present with him. And maybe he will even prompt you tonight of some people to be with. And in this, we're reminded of our purpose as sons and daughters. Just something really practical too. Um, at the end of the service, if you'd like to, uh, we've just got a stack of pancake shakers up the back. Um, and if you'd like to take one for you or your family, have that sitting on the bench maybe for a couple of days and just let it be a reminder that God is provider, that he wants to just be present with you and be present with those around you and that he gives you your purpose. So enjoy the pancakes, whoever it is with. Maybe you'll invite some people around. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's on your own. But take that and just let it be a reminder that he is our provider, that he is present and he gives us purpose. Let's pray. Jesus, you are so real and you reminded us again tonight of just how beautiful it is to be with you. Thank you that you are provider. Thank you that you spent time being present and you want that to be in our lives too, just being present with you. God, our purpose can only be found when we look to you. And God, we just ask that the boldness of the Holy Spirit would equip us not to look to the left and the right, but to keep our eyes fixed on you as we walk out our lives as your sons and daughters, God. Amen.